Game of Thrones Season 5, Episode 1. The Wars to Come is over, but we're just getting started on the Game of Thrones feedback show. And now, here are the two guys who have been waiting in a tiny box with air holes for this show to start. I'm Rob Sestrin. It's Josh Wiggler. Josh, how are you? I'm very good. I am glad we are out of the box. Your poop stinks. <laughs> well, that's why I had to push it out of the box. I know, and you had no one to pick it up once it was out of the box because I was in the box with you. Yes, yes. Nobody could throw it overboard. Yeah, we were uh, we were SOL. Yes, we are SOL, but we are back in L because, oh, here we are. You're ready to talk about Game of Thrones season premiere, season five, and we are ready to uh, discuss your feedback here. Yeah, absolutely. And this is the first time people are getting to hear from you, Rob, about your first impressions from this premiere episode. You were missing on Sunday night. Antonio Mazzaro did a fantastic job yes, subbing in for you. Um, what was your what was your take? Just give us the hot take on the season premiere. Oh, I thought it was great. I mean, we really set the stage, but, you know, just about everybody was back. We got to, you know, sort of check in with everybody. It was like a, you needed like two hour, hours uh, to sort of like get really back into it. But it was was, you know, first day back at school, got to see everybody and the stage is set. Yeah. Well, some people had four hours. Some people already got four hours. That's right. Uh, So just to set up what we're going to do here. So I am still in Las Vegas. I was at the new media or still at the new media expo here and the podcast awards. And it was a very fun week so far Uh, last night here. And then I'm going to be heading back to L.A. on Thursday. Josh and I will be back together live this Sunday night at 10, 15 p.m. Eastern to recap Episode two of Game of Thrones. Can you believe it? I can. I can believe it because it's on my calendar right now. Yes. And so, <laughs> Listen, I'm locked in. I'm, in. I'm very much in Game of Thrones mode right now. Yes. And so here we are. We're going to be taking your questions, your voicemails, everything that you guys have been asking us about the season premiere. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's a lot to ask. And do you want to just jump right into it? Uh, sure. Unless there's anything else that you want to no. talk about. No, you know, because you had mentioned something that I think is going to lead the way into our very first question. Oh, good. Uh, you know, you're talking about how uh, you need two hours. That would be great. Um, you know, but at, at least we got to check in with just about every character, but not every character. Great. Let, let's, let's hear from Chris Nichols. Hey, guys, I have a question about this episode. Okay. The very last thing we see last season is Arya going on a boat off into the horizon. Want, me, want to see me what happens with Arya and I get nothing in the first episode what is this I want to see that house of black and white or whatever that thing was let me know what you thought about that I'm so frustrated even though I love the episode thanks bye okay so Chris is frustrated he wanted to see Arya he wanted to see some Arya and I mean he's not alone Arya won uh, the, the Throner Award for the storyline people were most psyched to see in season 5 and there's no Arya. Yes. So, what did you think? Were you were you bummed when you realized we were going to go through this entire episode and we weren't going to get a single Arya scene? No, I really wasn't. You know, I wasn't like keeping like a bingo card in front of me of who we were going to see and and who we weren't. It wasn't until after. You're not watching Game of Thrones the right way then. Yeah. You should re- you should really be uh, playing games as you watch. Yeah, it wasn't until after the episode that I sort of thought about it, like, oh, yeah, I guess we didn't see Arya tonight. But, you know, just about everybody else. Was there any other notable snub from episode? Episode number one. 
No, I think that was the biggest by far. I mean, I think, um, you know, there there are some people who are Theon? wondering no Theon? Yeah, if, we, if we were going to see the Boltons. Um, but I, I think those are the big ones and no, nothing about Dorne whatsoever. No fallout from the Red Viper yeah. thing. But that hasn't even been introduced yet. Yeah, we were we were really focused on on uh, the King's Landing side of that. King's Landing has other matters to attend to before they can even think about Dorne. So I wasn't mad about any of that. But I will admit I would have liked Samaria. Yeah, but, you know, they go show you in the preview for next week that it's coming. So, I mean, I, I wasn't too upset about it. Like, I feel like, you know, we got so much in the first episode that I can wait a week to see Arya. And now at this point, we only have to wait like th- two or three more days. Yeah, it's not that long. And I, I mean, like, if, you, if you're already going to wait a full off-season to see Game of Thrones, like new Game of Thrones episodes again, you can wait like a full off-season plus one week. Yeah, and if you really can't wait, you go on the pirate day or <laughs> no. whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Oh. And, uh, Sir Davos, they'll cut your finger. You'll get your fingers cut off by Stannis if you go yeah. uh, and be a, a pirate. Yeah, yeah, we've we've uh, we've covered this exhaustively <laughs> already. <laughs> this leak, this leaky leak. <laughs> yeah, if you yeah. want to wear your your mouse fingers around your neck, I'm telling you, man, I might I might pitch myself to HBO to head up their mole patrol department. I feel like I could have done a good job at uh, stopping this. Why you think you could have sn- uh, sniffed out the I'm person on, that's I'm uploading? Just, yeah, I'm just always on mole patrol. I feel like I would have had my fingers on the pulse of this uh, situation. Mole town. Yeah, I think I would have. You stationed me in mole town, and I know what's up. I know who, I know who the traders are. Okay, all right. Yeah. Well, we'll see. <laughs> Find out, uh, you know, who those uh, watchers that are uh, that have gone uh, off the reservation. Right. Yeah. Find and the gone, gone to Moltown. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. All right. So let's talk about what was actually in the episode. Why don't we go to the very beginning of the episode with a scene that I, um, you know, I was anticipating knowing that that this was coming up just from a lot of the buzz in the yes. pre-production. Um, I believe Terry Schwartz was on this from way back when. Yes. Yes. Terry. Terry has been on this. Uh, uh, my, my co-host on the Game of Thrones book club and we finally got it. Here it is. And this is a question from our Philly who says, uh, I was very curious if Rob being unfamiliar with the prophecy scene from the books realized that this was a young Cersei before her name is specifically mentioned by her friend. Uh, it sounds like you had an idea. I was not unfamiliar uh, with this because I am a big subscriber of the comic book Girl 19, and I'm not sure if it was in the epic history of the Lannisters or what, but since it was something from the past, even though I guess that this didn't come out until the fourth or fifth book, the prophecy of Maggie the Toad. Uh, Maggie the Frog. Oh, I'm sorry, Maggie the Maggie the Frog. Excuse me. It's close. It's close. <laughs> anyway, so I had known about this and and all of the the prophecy stuff because in the sort of non spoiler research that I've done about Game of Thrones, you know, this has been talked about in various in various places because it's not something that hasn't happened yet. It's a flashback. So this has been something that had been floating around. So once we saw that, I had heard what Terry had said about that, uh, the casting notice that they had done for a young Cersei. So I very quickly, uh, you know, realized what was up. But I wondered how many other people, you know, who did not have that information would have been able to catch on. But Josh, I really um, am very excited about this because this is almost like to me, not not as big, but almost like in Lost, the first time that we had a flash forward that it 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 was a game changer in that the show changed the stuff that we could see. We could see something from 
from the future and not just something from the past. Now, Game of Thrones hasn't, you know, flashed to the past at all. But the fact that we can now flash back to the past, that that device is on the table. Yeah. This is so this is such a huge game changer. Yeah, well, you're you're reading the tea leaves. This is a question from Gianfranco Gervaiso, who wanted to know, could that flashback be room for more? Could it mean that there's room for more flashbacks or was it just fitting for this one episode? Um, it's on the table. It's yeah. on the table. If if the show can find a reason to do more flashbacks, and for my money, there are there's plenty of Westeros history that could be very interesting to see on the screen. Is uh is the the genie out of the bottle on this one? You think? Well, I sense that this was probably a one time thing, and maybe they'll do it again down the road. But I don't think this is going to be a regular thing where every episode, like a la Breaking Bad, is going to start with like sure. some sort of like a cold open that's going to be even though that wasn't technically a cold open but i think just for the uh maggie the amphibian stuff because (laughs) that you know uh, i heard you say on the show you know prophecy is very is very tricky i think you needed to hear those words exactly as they were and for cersei to uh in exposition to sort of give you exactly what she said like if you had like a scene with her and jamie talking about this and and she's going to be able to give you exactly and I, I don't know how it was done in the books. Um, was it done in, in, via flashback in the books or was it done her telling the story? Yeah, I mean, well, she has a chapter and, you know, the books are told from the perspective, uh, the perspectives of these characters. And it's from her memory. So it's not her. It's not in exposition of her relaying the story. It's no, her she's she's kind of. Re- yeah, she's kind of reliving the memory of this moment of what had happened. Got it. Yeah. And so. I think that this was, you know, you had to get the, because again, with these prophecies that it is, you know, there's double meaning, there's triple meaning. And so it could mean a lot of different things. So you need to get it exactly right. And if we're going to, she can't like, say it and then you you know did, hold on what what did, what did that say you know they'll have you know uh you know the king will be will have 20 children but you'll have three you know it needs to be exactly as maggie uh states it yeah uh so so what was your take on the prophecy itself uh you know this this idea everything that she seems to be saying has has come true to a point Yes. You know, she she did indeed become queen. She did not marry the prince, but she became queen. She'll marry a king. Uh, she has three kids, uh, the, not with the king. The king had 20 of his own. Uh, she has three golden haired kids and their shrouds will be gold as well. Uh, is that is that decisively bad news for the two surviving uh, Baratheon kids, quote unquote Baratheon kids? Yeah, it can't be good. You know, I, I'm not sure exactly, you know, when. And exactly, you know, their shrouds will be gold. Like, what do you take that to mean? Their shrouds will be gold, just that they're going to die. Uh, I mean, I think that that's what she's implying. That's why she's cackling like that. Yes. Well, and why do you have a gold shroud? Is there any significance to the color of your shroud? What shroud are you going to get? Uh, I'm probably going to get a beige shroud. Beige shroud. That's almost yeah. similar to gold. Why, why is it a gold shroud? Because they're Lannisters? I think so. Okay. Well, Even though technically they're Baratheons, right? Well... I mean, it depends what you mean by technically. I mean, right, technically, right. In, in the eyes of, in the <laughs> eyes technically, of the law. they're Lannisters. Yeah, in the eyes of the law. <laughs> I guess uh, so. Does that mean figuratively they're they're Baratheons? Yeah, 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 yeah. But I, I mean, I, th- I think it's an interesting idea uh, that you know everything has gone 
so swimmingly, uh, according to Maggie's prophecy, or not so swimmingly, but it's all because gone. Because frogs can swim. Because frogs can swim. But it's all kind of gone to the letter of what she said so far, and it makes you wonder about this, this younger, more beautiful woman who's going to be queen after Cersei. That makes you think automatically, is it going to be Marjorie? Is it someone else? Uh, and we just, I mean, we know that it did not work out well for Joffrey. Uh, and I think it's almost whether or not something bad happens to Tom and, and Marcella. Uh, almost more important than that is it seems to, it see, this just the knowledge that this happened in Cersei's past seems to really open the door on a lot of why Cersei acts the way she does, don't you think? Oh, sure. But the, the problem for Cersei, if, if we're going to like, you know, make the case for her is that she's kind of horrible to Maggie from the, some of the moment that she walks into uh, Maggie's cave or wherever oh, yeah. she is. Even as, even as a kid, Cersei's just the worst. Yes. She's not good. She's just awful. <laughs> she's not good. Do we know who her friend was? No, we don't. Okay. That could be, that person could still be unknown. Yeah, could be unknown, could be someone we already know, have met before, uh, at the moment is unknown. Just anonymous friend of Cersei's. Okay, yeah. so, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of mysteries uh, there, but very interesting. I'm fascinated with, uh, with Maggie the, the Frog. All right, well, let's, let's shift away from, from Maggie the Frog. Let's shift away from Cersei, unless you've got anything else you want to talk about on that topic. No, she was really mean to Jamie. Yeah, she was really mean to Jamie, calling him stupid, saying this is his fault. At least Tyrion killed their dad on purpose. Yeah. Brutal. Yeah. Uh, you think Jamie feels really bad? I think Jamie did not look like he felt great about it. Yeah. Yeah. Poor I think Jamie. He, yeah, I think that he, he looked at that, and I think um, he, he kind of figured, oh, I. Uh, I sort of screwed up. Uh, I, I think I, I think I messed up. In fact, uh, I think that he. This is this is a question that we got from from Jackie. Um, Jackie had wanted to know if uh, if we think that when Jamie, if Jamie ever sees Tyrion again, if she's gonna, if he's gonna hold anything against Tyrion. Um, do you think that he regrets what he did to the point that he's gonna he's gonna correct this mistake? He would take something out on Tyrion. Boy, uh, that's gonna be tricky. Um, I think he's going to be very upset, especially based on, you know, what's going to happen. If we saw a little bit of a hint that, boy, now that Tywin Lannister isn't around, they now the enemies are going to be sort of, you know, starting to circle and starting to to move in because everybody was afraid of Tywin Lannister. And now if he's not in the picture, then this could be the downfall of, you know, the rest of the Lannisters. And if that's all Tyrion's fault, yeah, Jamie is going to be pretty upset. Um, can I ask you a, a, just a quick question about, uh, about Lancel Lannister? Yeah, of course. Uh, did they Bobby Draper uh, Lancel Lannister? Uh, no, it's the same guy. Uh, the same he, guy. He shaved his head and it looks like he beefed up a little. Yeah, he definitely, definitely uh, beefed up. I thought they Bobby Drapered him because... No, he hasn't been Bobby Draper. And I thought that there was like a little bit of a wink because uh, Cersei was like, oh, you look different. And I was like, okay. I thought that was maybe like an Easter egg, like uh, that she was like a little bit of a wink and a nod that they changed actors. Yeah. No, uh, no, no actor change. No Bobby Drapering on this front. Lancel remains Lancel, but Lancel looks different because he's uh, he's gone all religious on Cersei. Yeah, he's gone clear. Yeah, he's gone clear. What do you think of this idea of um, this this religious aspect being introduced this season? 
Yeah, that's interesting. Um, I don't know a lot about what the sparrows are like. Uh, it's the Jack Sparrows. Yeah, it's Captain Jack Sparrows. Captain Jack Sparrows. Captain. I think that's going to be uh, interesting to see because, you know, there's already a lot of stuff going on with religion in, uh, I mean, between right now, like we already know about several major religions in the world of uh, Westeros. Of course, uh, you know, you have the, you know, the Stark gods slash yeah, the, 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 you've got the old gods, the old got, gods, you got the, yeah, you got the new gods and the, the whole seven. seven. Um, plus then you have, you know, the, uh, the Lord of light and everything going on with him. And then you got like witchcraft and stuff like that. Yeah, I think um, we're not supposed to know too much about the sparrows yet, but it's a concept that's not being introduced without a reason. Okay, well, yeah. I should hope so. I yeah, mean- so so keep keep an eye on it. I think it's going to be interesting for sure. Uh, all right, let's leave King's Landing. Let's uh, let's go to Pentos. Are you a fan of Pentos? What's not to like about Pentos? It's beautiful. Yeah, you like Pentos. Pentos is a it's picturesque. Yes. Yeah, you're you're you would subscribe to Pentos. I have a timeshare in Pentos. Oh, do you really? Yes. How yes. much time do you spend in Pentos? Oh, you know, I get about two weeks uh, every winter. Wow, uh, that's uh, you know, some would say that's not enough. Uh, I think well, Antonio Mazzaro would say that's not enough. See, time. the the beauty of that is that two weeks in the Game of Thrones winter is about six years. That's true. <laughs> some people would say that's too much. Yeah, that's too much. That's too much time. Uh, but let's go to Pentos. Let's talk about uh, Varys and Tyrion, and specifically, let's take a voicemail from Omri, uh, who wants to talk about Varys now that Varys' secret is out in the open. Hey, Robin Josh, how's it going? This is Omri from Jerusalem, first of my name. I think the best part of the premiere was when Varys revealed to us that his intention all along was to put a Targaryen on the throne. And just like uh, Littlefinger's reveal from last season, I think it teaches us a lot about his previous actions. I thought about the time when he told the small council that Daenerys was pregnant. Maybe all he wanted was to get Bobby Baratheon, who only needed needed the slightest excuse to kill her, and the Honorable Ned Stark, who would never kill a girl, to be at odds with each other, and that way he would weaken Robert's reign. And maybe after he sent the assassin, he told her all about him and made sure that uh, Daenerys stayed safe. Love to hear your thoughts. Bye. Boy, uh, that's a lot to try to wrap my head around did it's a lot lot to digest you know varus talked about the targaryen restoration project which is a great name for a westeros band (laughs) that is a great what kind of music do they play is it like a jam band yeah i think so yeah i think so and so they varus would have to have known that robert uh bobby baratheon was gonna want to kill her and that ned stark was gonna say no and then it was going to drive a wedge between them. That seems like a big gamble. It seems like a big gamble. I mean, there's a, there's a lot there. That's been a real hot topic of conversation. Um, even on the the night of the premiere, we had some questions about that, and it was uh, very much talked about in the Game of Thrones Book Club podcast that we did. Just uh, like what is what was Varys's level involvement in that you know season one assassination attempt against Daenerys Targaryen? If he is truly a Targaryen loyalist, why would he you know be involved in that and? 
any capacity. And I think that this is an admirable attempt to explain what maybe he was thinking. Um, maybe it's an over explanation. I think that, you know, the heart of the topic is, is what's really uh, interesting to me is just now that we know for sure that Varys has a side, has, has a dog in this fight, uh, that he has a dragon in this fight, in fact. Um, I think that it just it makes you go back and think about and look at previous Varus scenes in a different light. Um, for example, this is something from R. Philly again. R. Philly wrote in and said, I wonder if Rob remembers Illyrio from season one and the fact that he had given Danny the dragon eggs and was overheard plotting with Varys by Arya while she was chasing cats in the Red Keep. I know from having interacted with R. Philly a little bit online that this was something that he really wanted to talk about for a while now. Uh, this scene where Varys and Illyrio were conspiring back in season one. Do you even remember? Remember that? I can't say that I do. Yeah. So, I mean, like, I think that now that Varys is out in the open, uh, that he has sworn uh, allegiance, he's pledged allegiance to the Targaryen flag, uh, has told Tyrion that that's whose side he's on. I think going back and looking at Varys and seeing if there are clues for this, I think it's going to be an interesting exercise. Well, what do you think? Do you feel like the evidence supports this or do you feel like this is a little bit of a left turn for Varys? Uh, To be a Targaryen supporter? Yeah. I, I, you know, there are still reasons why I think that the whole, like, did he tip Jorah off? You know, what, you know, what role did he really play in the potential poisoning of Danny? How much could he have actually controlled from King's Landing while all of this is happening out really deep in Essos? Um, it seems like it would take a lot of puppetry, uh, to get that all done. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've, there's part of me that really wants to believe him on the surface. I mean, it certainly seems like him and Tyrion are going to be going to see Daenerys. That's unless Varys has some other plan for what he really wants to do with Tyrion. Uh, it seems like we can take him at face value that they are going to hit the road to Marine, and Tyrion is going to try to drink himself to death on the way. But I can't help but wonder if Varys has some hidden agenda that we don't know about. And I think that, you know... We talked about this on the road to Westeros a lot about the difference between Varys and Littlefinger. Uh, You know, Littlefinger being a guy you just know you cannot trust. Varys being a guy that maybe you can't trust him all the way, but you at least can, you know, identify him as probably someone who is closer to the light than a guy like Littlefinger. But that being said... He is still the spider. You know, do you trust a spider? A spider's going to bite you if you do. Uh, so I think it's, it's tough to fully trust him here. It's tough to fully trust that he is Targaryen loyal, that he has Danny's best interests at heart and doesn't have some sort of trick up his sleeve. So I think it's worth wondering about. I mean, here's my thinking on this. It's like, you know, Varys, there he is. He's doing his job back in season one. You know, he doesn't necessarily know anything about Danny from at that point. You know, he's doing his job. He's a spider. He's reporting things back. You know, he is, not, you know, at this point, uh, I believe uh, Viserys is still alive, right? Yeah. And so, I mean, I don't think he wants that guy to be the king. And so he's like that being said, you know, he is conspiring with Illyrio here. And Illyrio is the guy in that first episode of Game of Thrones who is backing Viserys for sure. Mm, Yeah. So I I just think maybe it's possible that he's, you know, just doing his job. And but then he sort of like looks at like what's going on by like after after that's all over. 
and is like, boy, uh, you know, Robert is dead. Joffrey's the king. This is a disaster. You got Stannis coming in that uh, that's no good. Uh, what? And then, you know, or Tommen now is the is the king. He said, we need somebody that's, you know, stronger than Tommen, but somebody that's, you know, not as tough as Stannis. Has to have the right family name. Has to have the right family name. And uh, he's saying like, oh, what's this? I'm hearing all these, these good things about Misa and dragons and everything. That's a, the right name. She is the the perfect candidate for this position that that's who i need to support yeah so you think that he got on the danny train i think he got on the bandwagon that's what i think that he's like oh that was like it's a good thing that that didn't end up happening where we killed her <laughs> right yeah we dodged um, a bullet yeah that i mean for me that makes more sense than he was team danny all the way mm-hmm. uh, you know and i i think that when she got the dragons that was a game changer yeah. You know, for, for a lot of reasons. Uh, Varys could just have a lot of irons in the fire also. Yeah, that's not out of the realm of possibility. Uh, he could have, you know, backup plans for his backup plans. Yes. And, you know, just, you know, maybe the whole thing to send, you know, Danny and Viserys to, you know, the Dothraki was all just, you know, that was a setup against them uh, in the first place. So Varys could look good and go to Robert and say, hey, guess what? I uh, guess what I've got going on. Yeah. Um, well, let's let's stick. Let's stick with Daenerys. Occam's here. Razor. Let's 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 talk about Danny for a little while. Occam's uh, Razor but, is Valerian steel, by the way. Is that right? Yes. Is that the name of a sword? Gendry made it. Uh huh. Yes. He's, he's very talented. That young man. Yes. Where is he, by the way? Pentos. Pentos. He's in he's, my timeshare. <laughs> is that right? Yes. And you're not worried about uh, sharing uh, Pentos with Gendry? Well, you know, the thing about Gendry, he is really just like mooching off of my goodwill. Uh, uh, he's been a bit of a leech. That's what you call it. Yeah. 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 Yes. Yes. He's just yeah. like, uh, you know, taking advantage of me. Uh, yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, woo. Uh, so let's, let's, let's stick with Danny. Let's keep talking about Danny. Yes. Uh, and let's talk about Danny in relation to Tyrion. Uh, because now we know that Tyrion is going to drink himself to death on the road to Marine. Probably not, but who knows? Maybe he will. That would be a turn. But either way, he has seemingly agreed to follow Varys on the path towards Daenerys Targaryen. This is a question from Ben from Toronto, a voicemail asking, what's that going to look like? Hey, Robin Josh, this is Ben from Toronto. I was just wondering, don't you think that the first impressions between the eventual meetup of Tyrion and Daenerys Targaryen will be a bit awkward? Isn't there a ton of bad blood between those two families historically on Game of Thrones? Just wanted to know if you could do a rundown of that, obviously with Josh knowing the history of Game of Thrones very well. And uh, yeah, I'm sure we're in for a very good season. Thanks. Big fan of the show. Bye. Lannister and Targaryen bad blood. You know, there's a long history of the families working together also. It's true. Uh, but, you know, I am asked to, to weigh in on this. Rob, I think you're equally equipped at this point. You could probably give us a little bit of insight into what's gone down between the Lannisters and the Targaryens. So what's what, what's your take as far as whether or not Danny is going to receive Tyrion with open arms, being that he is a Lannister? Well, you know, in the past, uh, you certainly had some some good times where, you know, Tywin Lannister was the uh, hand of the Mad King. And so, you know, that's that's a, a good thing, right? 
that was that was great, but it didn't end so well. That didn't end end so great, but because the 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 Mad King did get did get a little mad, and he was you know sort of all over the place, and ultimately you know Robert's rebellion ends when uh, Jamie Lannister ultimately uh, kills the Mad King, and then you know. That sort of ends his reign. Right. And so you sort of have some bad blood there with, you know, Lannisters ultimately killing uh, um, the, the Mad King. It's King a big a- deal. It's a big deal. King Ares, correct? Yes, King Ares. That is correct. And, you know, the consequence of that is that Danny is going to be forced to live on the run. You know, she's not going to know Westeros. Uh, she is going to be born away from there. Uh, I, I believe on Dragonstone. Um, but she is going to be in exile, you know, for her entire life uh, yeah. because of the Lannisters and the Baratheons betraying her father as crazy as he was, as mad as he was. That's her family. And that's her entire livelihood has been uh, has been ruined by these people. Uh, she has had, uh, you know, the Lannister backed Baratheon dynasty send assassins after her try to kill her um we know that Tyrion is a stand-up dude is she going to be so quick to agree given given what she knows of that name what that name represents to her in the legends uh, that she has grown up on is that going to is that going to be something that she can get over i think they can get past this i i think that once Tyrion explains look i am the you know the black sheep of the lannister family and i actually killed my dad and yeah i i think that they can work through this i yeah. i think it'll be okay here's here's an interesting awkward po- potentially a- but- awkward definitely Yes. Awkward, definitely. But this is an interesting idea from uh, Mom2Muses on uh, YouTube, uh, who suggests that Tyrion would be persona non grata for Daenerys, but he has one of the things that she needs the most, dragon knowledge. She has been estranged from her Targaryen ancestry and the knowledge about dragons that her ancestors held, but Tyrion has been reading about them and preparing for this meeting oh. for his entire life. Um, it's, this is not something that is made a big deal of on the show, and it's even not a huge deal in the books, but you do find out in the books early on that Tyrion, as a kid, was really obsessed with dragons, uh, used to think about them a lot, read about them a lot. And I do believe when he is traveling with Jon Snow to the Wall yes. in season one, yes. he is reading books on dragons. Um, so, you know, he might be able to put that brilliant brain of his to good use here with Danny because she obviously has a dragon problem and Tyrion could be able to fix that. Yeah, the thing to me, though, I'm just still not exactly sure why Tyrion will be motivated to go and get invested in the Daenerys Targaryen for uh, for Supreme Ruler of Westeros campaign. I mean, what's in it for Tyrion? Why go on this quest? What's in it? Why should he uh, get involved with this? To me, it seems like a no brainer. Um, You know, if he backs Daenerys. Uh, if he can get in good with Daenerys, if he becomes, you know, someone who's valuable to Danny in her conquest of Westeros, let's assume she's successful. Danny wipes out the, you know, the current dynasty, which is uh, Tyrion's sweet sister. Uh, if Danny takes over Westeros, presumably Tyrion is no longer persona non grata in Westeros. Presumably he can have 
a lot of things that he wants. He can go home. Um, if he fails, if, if Danny doesn't want him, if Danny rejects him, or if Danny accepts him and her bid to win over the Seven Kingdoms fails, then what's the worst that happens? He's already talking about drinking himself to death. Yes. Uh, so I think that through Danny, if this is a legitimate option, it is the best available option for him right now to find a way back home and find a way back towards his former, I don't know if you want to call it glory, but you know his former position. I mean, I just feel like Tyrion is already persona non grata in the eyes of everybody in in Westeros. I mean, I'm almost done with the second book, and there's a lot of talk about how everybody everybody hates Tyrion. He thinks that like everything they don't like about Joffrey, they think it's Tyrion's idea. Now everybody thinks publicly. We saw the big trial. Everybody thinks that Tyrion murdered Joffrey. I'm sure that word has gotten around that Tyrion killed Tywin Lannister. I mean, just because even if everybody loves. Danny and, and she's the new leader and she's on the Iron Throne. Like, she has to like publicly pardon him. And, and like, it seems like just he's a, somebody everybody just seems to hate. People, people don't seem to like him, but no. um, you know, if he comes riding back into Westeros with a dragon army, people might think differently. I guess uh, so. People might, people might be afraid of this guy. And if Danny were to get in power and be in a position to pardon him, he could, you know, he could have something resembling, you know, what it was like when he was the hand of the king or the acting hand of the king. Yeah. Um. So I think that this is the best possible scenario for Tyrion. You know, he doesn't have a lot of great options to begin yeah. with. Can you think of something better than doing this with Danny other than, I don't know, just like fading into obscurity and drinking his sorrows away? Is that a, is that a better outcome or does he try to, you know, make a big move here? Yeah, I guess I didn't think about the fact that he's really cut off from the Lannister gold at this point. So there's really like, I'm like, well, why doesn't he just stay in Pentos? But really, he'd have to get a job. Yeah, yeah. he's not a worker like that. You know, he's a he's a political mover and shaker or he is is a trust fund baby. I guess you know, so. It's, it's one or the other. And if he can't be uh, a trust fund baby, if he's going to have to like live in squalor, then either he's going to die or he's going to have to find some way into someone like Danny's good graces and, you know, potentially die trying. Uh, so I, I, I think that this makes sense for him to go and try and do this. Okay. All right. All right, let's do one last question. Uh, did you see that Anna Kendrick uh, was disappointed that we didn't see any uh, Dario peen this week? <laughs> I did not see that. Yeah, the actress Anna Kendrick tweeted out uh, that we still haven't seen this guy's penis. Yeah. Okay. It's a shock. Yeah, it's, a shock. Yeah. it's a shock. It's a shock. Uh, no, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about another big uh, moment from the episode, which is toward the end of the episode, the end of the episode, in fact. And this is a question from our Philly had lots of great questions tonight. Our Philly wrote, uh, I'm curious if you guys feel like part of the reason that John showed mercy to the king beyond the wall is because he could see some of Ned Stark's nobility and commitment to personal honor and Mance's choice not to kneel. Uh, and I guess my question to you, Rob, is just, what did you read into that scene? What did you read into the idea that John wasn't just going to stand by and watch Mance burn at the stake? I mean, I just felt like there was a bit of a Stark-like quality to that because these Starks, they are not, they're their own worst enemy uh, most of the time. And I think that in true Ned Stark fashion, you know, um, Jon Snow just could not leave well enough alone here. Like that they could have just, you know, sat there and no need to show any loyalty to Mance Raider. That doesn't buy him anything. Yeah. But 
you know, unlike a lot of the other figures in Game of Thrones who could sort of like play the political game and do what's in their best interest. Um, that's not how the Starks operate. No, not how the Starks operate. Could be, uh, could be creating a pretty bad situation for himself here. Uh, Dave, Dave Baker just very quickly wanted to know, do you think that Melisandre is going to intercede to spare Jon Snow from Stannis' wrath? Uh, she seems to have taken an interest yeah. in this guy. Is she going to be, is she going to be somebody who might help Jon Snow out of this? Or do you think that maybe he's, He's going to have some other trapdoors that he can use here. Whoa. Whoa. What, do you, what does that mean? I don't know. It's, it could be a euphemism. Maybe it's not. Um, I definitely was wrong in the preview shows that we did in Road to Westeros about a Melis, a Melis John Mance. Yeah. Melisandre. Melisandre. Yeah. yeah uh, that, looks like that, that looks like it's definitely happening. And so I was wrong about that. So maybe, maybe could she play a, a factor there? But you would think that she's the one that's going to be really pissed because uh, she's the one that likes these uh, sacrifices to the Lord of Light. Loves the sacrifices. Big Got fan it. of the sacrifices. Big fan of the sacrifice. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's interesting. John, John killing Mance Raider here, obviously not going to be something that the Stannis group is going to be so pumped about. But the Wildlings probably going to love this. Uh, wildlings are going to be very happy with John for, uh, you know, kind of sparing Mance from this really horrible death. Don't you think? Sure. Sure. I think that they'd be happy about that, I guess, in in a vacuum. Like uh, we killed your leader by arrow and didn't burn him alive. Like that's that's an improvement. <laughs> I guess so. That's better than what it could have been. Yes. Um, and what what do you think of the idea that this is going to give John some capital with Stannis? You know, Stannis needs these wildlings. He needs the wildlings to go and invade Roose Bolton. Um, is this going to be a chip in John's uh, corner? No, no, no. I just I think that maybe again it was too easy that you know Jon Snow and Stannis were getting along. I think we just need. Uh, some conflict here. I can't imagine that the wildlings are going to say, all right, you know, Mance Raider didn't want to bend the knee. You guys killed him. Okay, we get it. Let's go and take care of the Boltons. Yeah, let's take care of the Boltons. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing that. I, yes. I, I, I hope we I hope we get there uh, because that would be great because these Boltons are horrible. Did you see in the credits that the Boltons, this was pointed out during the live show, that the Boltons have their flags all over Winterfell in the opening credits. Oh, I didn't even catch that. It's terrible. Flayed man everywhere. Everywhere. It's horrible. Yes. Yeah. Okay. All right, Josh. So Sunday night, we'll be live again, 10.15 p.m. Finally, we will recap our first uninterrupted episode since uh, we did episode nine of season four. Yeah, that's right. Because even uh, when we did the season finale, I had to catch a plane. Yes. Okay. So, so, so much to do. Just uh, could you just reset how people can get their voicemails and questions into the show for next week? Yeah, please. Uh, we we have a lot of ways for you guys to do that. You can leave us voicemails. Those are always great. Postshowrecaps.com slash voicemail. You can send us emails. You can send that to got at postshowrecaps.com or through our feedback form, postshowrecaps.com slash feedback. Uh, of course, you can tweet to Rob and I, Rob at Rob Sesternino. I am at Round Howard. Uh, any of those methods will work. We will get your questions on the feedback show next week. Faux show. Uh, it should be a very fun time. Very excited because we're going to get Tamaria next week. And I, I'm Jones and Ferraria. Should be a very fun time. We'll be back on Sunday night. How about hashtag Pentos timeshare? All right. Let's do that for sure. I okay. like it. Hopefully that we won't get solicited too much. Okay? I don't think so. Josh, great job. 
Uh, thanks to you guys as well for all your questions and can't wait to talk some more Game of Thrones this Sunday night. Take care, everybody. Bye.